0: To see people here this week glad that we can get together (laughs) so this morning we are in the book of first john uh chapter two is where we will be studying uh basically the entire chapter going through that but i am just thankful that we were able to get together today i'm thankful that uh the richards are healing well and that next week uh, Lord willing, we'll see Rob up here, back in the pulpit again. So, uh, yeah, amen. <laughs> so uh, this morning, as we get into chapter 2, one of the things that I just kind of wanted to point out as we read, it says, my little children. You know, just that, my little children, just that comment, that phrase. If we go into, as we continue into chapter 2, we'll see it mentioned, I believe, four times. And each time, my little children, it's almost like there's a transition, as John writes this letter, to go on to even a more a topic. And we find that this letter is actually written to those of us that are saved, to the Christians. And that's why it's called, my little children. And I couldn't help but think, when you think about my little children, and as he writes this, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Stop to think about that as a child of God, that we have an advocate. And each time we go through and we touch upon my little child, we're going to find like four different avenues or topics that he talks about. First one is that we have an advocate with the word, Jesus Christ. Secondly, as we deal with my little children, we find that we need to abide in the word. So as an advocate in the word with the word, we have abide in the word, and then we are anointed by the word. And then we will find the appearance of the word, Jesus Christ. Those are four topics when we're talking about my little children. But when we first stop and look about my little children, I think sometimes we need to watch ourselves to make sure. Remember when you first got saved, when you first trusted in Christ. We came to him with a childlike faith. Innocent, knowing that we were sinful, knowing that we are sinful, but we came to him like a child. And I think sometimes as we kind of grow or we become accustomed to our coming to church every week and serving the Lord, that sometimes we may lose that childlike faith. And I think we need to stop. John has given us a reminder here. We need to continue with that childlike faith on our journey in serving the Lord. We need to remember that we need to continue that whatever the circumstances may be, that when we approach God, when we approach Jesus, we still need to come to him with that childlike faith. My little children, I couldn't help. This morning was almost like a perfect illustration for me. I walked through the door and sitting in the back two of the Damon's children, Jimmy was reading scripture to his sister talk about an example of childlike faith. The desire to read God's word as a child. And not only to read it for himself, but he was reading it out loud to his sister. You know, that's the kind of faith that we need to have to be willing to take the scripture, to sit down and to read it to read it to a loved one, to read it to a family member, a neighbor. There's a childlike faith. I go back and I make myself, I stop and I make myself and thinking about what my faith was like when I first came to Christ. And my whole attitude and my mindset, it was very humbling for me. That realization that I'm a sinner. And that no matter what I do, my works, being trying to be good, trying to do good unto others is not good enough. That's not what it takes. Here in First John chapter 2, it says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. I stopped to think about that idea that, you know, even once we get saved... We still have that sin nature in a sense, but it doesn't rule us anymore. And we have to remember that. But if we do, we have an advocate, and that's Jesus Christ. So when we make that approach, that approach, first of all, as we study and as we spend time in, in this letter, that the approach is that we're to have that childlike faith. It made me stop to also think that if we just quickly, for a moment, we'll go back into the book of Luke. And in Luke, um, chapter 18, verse 10 through 14, it says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, Adulterers, or even as this publican, kind of pointing down to the publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. There's a perfect example of how we should approach the Lord just as this publican did, humbled. You know, Not trying to look at what, how good he is as a Pharisee, but just saying, I am a sinner. It's our mindset, it's our attitude when we approach God. Here in 1 John, this is one of the points he's trying to make, that as we approach, it's like my little children. We are to approach with that childlike faith. So as we read on in chapter 2, verse 1 of 1 John, it says, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. It goes on a little bit further. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because the darkness has blinded his eyes. As we read through this passage of scripture, there's a few things to point out that as an advocate, you know, thinking about the advocate that we have Jesus Christ as our advocate and looking at the idea as an advocate, he is one who pleads our cause, just like a lawyer, so to speak, and in a sense for defense. Jesus is up in heaven pleading our cause. He is there for us. And he goes on, and when you talk about the idea that he pleads for our cause, we have to remember that word propitiation. Propiti- yeah, propitiation. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that there we look at the idea he is our atonement or a sacrifice for our sins. He made that payment. As a child of God, as we come before him with a childlike faith, we first must realize that it is Jesus Christ who is the one that died on the cross for us. That is the first step that we need to take or reflect back on to remind ourselves that it is he who is Lord. It is he who is our savior. It is he that was up in heaven pleading our cause. And he is the one that died on the cross for us. That's the first step that we can take with our faith. You know, we can't do anything else in to try to grow in our faith without first taking that step, realizing that the atonement was paid by Jesus Christ. And as we take that first step and realize that, we will find that there will be some characteristics that will start to come forth, or should shine out from us, as we relay, you know, as we look upon the idea that here's our atonement. He says here in verse verse three, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. One of the first things we will find is there's going to be an obedience to his word, to his commandments. We will keep his word. We will keep his faith. You know, once we trust in him, as a child of God, trust in him, there's that desire to learn. There's this desire to grow, to try to understand. At least that's what we ought to have in us, that desire to learn and to grow. Just as a child has that desire. You know, when, those, when children, you know, at certain times in their life, you know, they ask the why questions. Why this? Why that? You know, they come up to you. It's always why, 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 why. Do you remember those times with your kids? The why, the why, the why. And after a while, you're kind of like, okay, <laughs> enough is enough. But that's that desire to learn, to try to understand. We should also have almost that same mindset as we approach the Word of God, trying to learn and to gain the knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior. It's the idea of keeping his commandments, you know, and what, and as we go on in verse 4 it says he that saith i know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him that's kind of abrupt isn't it stop to think about that you know this is a little bit of taste of what's coming on in the scriptures too further down the line he that saith that he keeps his you know that loves him but doesn't keep his commandments is considered a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. You see, as we keep his word, he works on us to perfect us. You know, that's kind of a blessing there, just to know that God is working with us to perfect us, to help us to mature in our faith. faith. He, in verse, in verse 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought also himself to walk even as he walked. You see, there's going to be some action. As we have trusted in God and as we realize he is our advocate and as we begin to keep his commandments, there's going to be movement. We're going to be walking in another direction in the direction that God wants us to walk in. You know, this is where people begin to get called into the ministry sometimes. You'll find as people are serving God that they will sometimes be led to the missions field, which could be in another country, could be in another state. If we stop to think about the United States, we do have a mission field in the United States as well. There are many people that are lost that are not saved that are walking in the direction that they have no idea where they're going because they are blinded by the things of this world. See, as children of God, we are to walk in the direction that God is leading us into. That's part of that obedience. And it's part of that obedience that as we walk, we're going to have a different lifestyle that maybe the world is going to look and they're going to say, okay, what is different about you? You may be trying to witness, trying to share what happened to you, your faith, with somebody over here. Meanwhile, you've got somebody over there that sees you and sees that there's a difference and you have no idea. But because of your walk and the consistency with your walk and your service, that as you leave that individual, and maybe they just didn't want to hear it, but this person over here may approach you and want to know what's different. What makes you tick? I remember for myself, when I before I got saved, that was something I saw in an individual. He had tried to talk to me about the Lord off and on, but I was like, no. I said, you kind of seem like you've gone off on the deep end. But I watched him. I watched his lifestyle, and it was very different than what I was accustomed to see. But it was a walk that made me stop to think. Even though he tried to witness to me a couple of times, and I brushed him off, my eyes began to see different things about him. And I began to realize, okay, maybe there is some truth to what he is talking about. And that's where that childlike faith begins. I saw somebody's walk and that it was different. And then I took that step and I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. You see, it is important how we walk, it's important with how we conduct ourselves. It's important that as we keep his commandments that we're doing it 100% of the time. We're not just doing it like on Sundays just to see if we can, because we're part of the crowd here in church. And then the rest of the week we do whatever we want. We need to be consistent. As we go on, we see here, not only in the idea of that, you know, to walk the walk, and then if we go down a little bit further, I said, In verse 9, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling for him. Just to stop here. Another characteristic is the love for the brother. We need to have a love for the brother. We can't let differences, any kind of however minute they may be, divide us. Because, you know, each one of us in here who has named the name of Christ and trusted in him, that's one thing we have in common. And as we have that in common, that we remember who our advocate is, and we remember that we're to walk in him, to keep his commandments, that together we can serve him. And that's where that love begins to grow because we have that in common. That love to see lost people get saved. That love to see one another grow and to be strengthened in God's word. That's where that love comes from. You know, it shouldn't be one where we kind of have a hatred for somebody because we don't like something about that individual. And that word hate is a very harsh word and it can cause damage within a church with relationships with one another. We can't let that impact us. We have to look to the idea, why are we here? We're here because of Jesus Christ. We're here to love and to serve him. And if that's what our focus ought to be, the idea here is that we love the brother. It also says something else that if you hate, and this is a strong word, hate the brother, you're walking in darkness, and the light is not in you. Which tells me that individual needs to really take a look at themselves, you know, true look at themselves and their relationship with God. You know, to make sure am I, you know if I have this hatred this and it's more than a dislike there's a hatred it could be an anger there. If that is eating away at my soul, maybe my relationship with God is not right. Maybe I need to make sure that I am saved and that I'm doing what God wants me to that individual should stop and take a look. We go on into the second one of uh, my little child. Here we find abiding in his word, which we've touched upon. But in verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Again, little children, we we'll are go on to the next phase. I write unto you, fathers, Because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you know him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and young men because you are strong the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. I'll stop there for a moment. It's almost like he's, re, he's emphasizing more than once, I write unto you. I write unto you, little children. I write unto you, fathers. I write unto you, young men, trying to drive the point home. Remember, as we enter this phase about the idea of abiding in the word of God, remember, that you have overcome the wicked one. Remember, you are strong in your faith because you are abiding in God's word. Remember, because you trusted in Jesus Christ, you have him as an advocate, you've been abiding in his word, and you have overcome the wicked one. See, I think sometimes we forget that. As we make our journey and as we go on, some of the nasty now and nows have a way of bringing us down. And we become focused on those nasty now and nows and forget that we overcome the wicked. As we spend time in God's word, as we abide in His word, He also begins to give us a little bit of a warning here in verse 15. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's where we need to make sure our focus that we spend our energy on is on Jesus Christ and serving him. When we stop to think about this, you know, if we get caught up, you know, the the idea of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the things of the world can so easily distract us. Pull us away. Turn our focus and our energy away from serving God. And bring us down a path that goes against Jesus Christ. We have to be careful. He's given us a reminder here, as John has written this letter, that yes, we are a child of God. We abide in him. We are to keep his commandments. But we're also to start to be careful because the things of this world can distract us and pull away from us. You know, I look at the idea right now and, you know, the way we have been functioning as a community for, well, close to a year now. You know, and even how it's impacted our being able to get together as a face-to-face service. One of my concerns, and I know it's other concerns, is those times when we're not able to get face-to-face. For the people that maybe don't not have the internet service, where they cannot watch online, you know that can impact them. That can be a discouragement for those that are alone and by themselves, and have no way of getting out. Where before, at least somebody could pick them up, and bring them in here, and there would be some time of fellowship. I do get concerned for people that are not able to, because it is so important. To be able to get together, how else, in a sense, do we get to have that love for the brethren unless we take time to get to know them? And it can be very difficult, and it has been very difficult with these relationships over this past year. And we have to be careful on where our focus is to make sure that it is on Jesus Christ. Wait, stop and take a look. Remember when you first got saved? Remember do you remember when it was or where it was? I can look back and I can still see the apartment in upstate New York, Utica, New York. I don't know if anybody knows where that is. Utica, New York. I was in the military. The apartment that I was renting, it was an old building. The kitchen was bright orange. It had wallpaper of bright orange and bright green stripes with orange cabinets. The floor was not level. You know, if you kind of wanted to walk straight, you kind of walked like this because the floor very much leaned in one direction. But I still remember sitting at the kitchen table. And that guy that was talking to me about the Lord actually opened up his Bible that night. And I remember it was a cold January night going through the plan of salvation, the Romans Road, 11 o'clock at night. I can remember sitting at the table and I looked up, it was 11 o'clock. I can see the clock now over above the refrigerator. And that's the night I prayed, the time I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. You know, we sometimes forget when we first got saved. We need to sometimes go back and look, almost like to re-energize ourselves, to remember that our focus is in Jesus Christ, to remember that we need to keep his word, stand strong in his word, to remember that we've overcome the wicked. Too many times... Christians already act defeated. And that's when I look and I think, you know, I don't want somebody to look at me and say, I don't want that kind of faith. Look at them. They're miserable. Is there any hope at all? When a lost person ought to be able to look at us and say, there is something different, different in the sense that there is hope. Go back into chapter 1 here for a moment of First John. And in verse 3 and 4 it says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. You see, right at the very beginning, as John is penning this letter, one of the things that he's trying to come across is that, first of all, our joy may be full if, just as he begins to write, we look back as little children upon the word of God. We look at the idea that he is our advocate. We look to see that we're abiding in God's word. But also, one of the things, as he begins to focus on here in chapter 2 and in verse 15, and as we go on further down, is that there needs to be an awareness, almost like God anointing us to the things that surround us. Because in verse 15, when he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if we go down to verse 18, this is where the idea of becoming aware of all surrounded, little children, it is the last time and you have heard that the Antichrist shall come. Even now, there are many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. they went out from us, they were not of us, for if they were if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest, that they were not of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, an anointing from the Holy One. Stop, think about that for a moment. The Holy Spirit, you have an unction from the Holy Spirit, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it Already, basically, this is a reminder. Stop to think about the idea. He's given us a warning: the Antichrist is going to come, and he basically said there are Antichrists already. Stop to think about it. The world we live in, the Antichrist, Antichrists, as they say here, is basically someone who has rejected. Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who does not believe that God sent his son to die on the cross and unwilling. And one of the things that he talks about here is they were there's going to be those that were kind of come in that are among us but they really were not of us. And if you've been a child of God for any period of time in a church you have seen people come and go. And some of those people were probably part of this group where they really did not believe in Jesus Christ. What I find today, too, is over a period of time, how many people have actually called the church, have come into the church with an attitude of kind of like, what's in it for me? Not what can I do for the Lord Jesus Christ? I have known of people called, if parents say, kind of looking for almost like a place to dump their kids so they can have time alone or time by themselves. They just want a social place for their child. They could care less about their soul. They just want to get rid of the kids. I have seen people try to do that. Then I have seen people come in with the idea that, okay, what kind of things do you have for my kids? No concern, no desire to learn about God. They just want their kids to keep busy on something. Now we have to be careful. There are people that look at church differently because they really do not trust in Jesus Christ. And we have to be aware of them. But also we find that in that awareness, that anointing that God can give to us, because we've been spending time in his word, because we've been keeping his commandments, and we are studying his word, we're having that fellowship with him, that the Holy Spirit begins working in our life to help to keep us alert and aware of our surroundings. To send up that red flag to us that we sometimes have, so to speak. You know, with the idea of watch out that we don't let the lust of this world seep in and take control. Remember, as John is penning this, it's not that this is anything new to the people that he's writing to, it is a reminder, a reminder as a child of God, as children. That as we approach him, we're approaching him realizing that we do have that salvation. Having that confidence in him as we spend time keeping his commandments. Then as we keep his commandments and study his word, we begin to walk like he wants us to walk. Just like Jesus Christ. That our lifestyle is different. It changes. We are a new creature. All things have passed away. And then as we walk with him, there is that love for one another that begins to grow. And as that love for one another grows and that fellowship grows, he also reminds us that there are going to be those that are not really of us, a part of us, because they haven't trusted in him. And we need to be aware of those people. We need to be aware of our surroundings, that it's not always friendly. And that's why we talk and why Rob has been focused on the warfare and what kind of, and how we are to be prepared. We go on a little further down, and as we kind of go into um, the idea, you know, if we was to continue reading about this, about being aware, being alert, but in verse 20, let me go on, verse 26. These things I have written unto you concerning them, that they seduce you. See, we can be seduced still, even as a child of God. There's a warning here. Be careful that you don't get sucked into something that goes against God, that goes against Jesus Christ. We have to be careful for that. it says, and if we were to go into the verse prior to that, verse 25, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things I have written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but that the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be in a before his coming. You see, as we abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are aware of our surroundings, that we could still be seduced by the things of this world. If we make sure that our focus is on Jesus Christ, and he's coming again. Because he is coming again. We have that promise. Jesus Christ is going to come back for us. Yeah. We, if we focus on that right there alone, knowing that Jesus Christ is going to return, his appearance is going to just bring that joy into our life. Knowing that we're going to be with him someday. It says, Here, it says, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. Yeah. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. Just the thought of standing before the Lord Jesus Christ unashamed. But, oh. I have to stop sometimes and think there are many times I know I fall short and I feel ashamed that I haven't done what God's wanted me to do. Knowing maybe this person that I just walked by I should have witnessed to and I didn't. The Holy Spirit was pricking my heart and I ignored it. I ought to offer a word of encouragement I said, oh, I will later on. I'm kind of too busy right now. Those are things that have pricked my heart over the years. And I do feel ashamed about those things. But if I stop and I read this, and if I kind of pick up the pieces and make sure that I am still doing what God wants me to do, that confidence... And be strengthened. Remember I can that we've already I have already overcome the wicked one. And with that confidence strengthened, and if I'm doing what God has called me to do, someday I can stand before him in that confidence and not be ashamed of the life that I've lived. I stopped to think about Paul. Remember, Paul knew. In one of his letters, it was the end of his time. And he mentioned that he was not ashamed for everything that he had gone through and everything that he did. He knew that when he trusted in Christ, that he did all that God had called him to do. Many of those times, he was put into prison. Many of those, and then there was that time when I think it was a time when he had, there was a, like a, almost like a riot and he had to escape the city, put into a basket, lowered down the wall. There were times he probably had to change direction because of the anger of the world that was around him. But each time, God was there with him. And each time, he had that faith in God to grow and to mature. And it was strengthened because he knew he was doing what God had called him to do. If we stopped this morning to take a look, what has God called us to do? Where is God leading us? Are we walking that path that he wants us to walk? Is it one that's glorifying him? Is it one where we are growing stronger in our faith and that we are becoming more aware of those around us and that we're actively doing what we need to do but also actively avoiding the places we need to avoid? Here, in the end, we need to remember too that in our future, we're going to see God. We're going to see Jesus Christ. He's coming again. And as his appearance comes, as he comes, there is an idea here, a thought that we don't need to be ashamed. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. And skipping down into chapter 3, it continues a little further. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, You see, we may not know what exactly what we're going to look like for our own selves. But what we do know, and this is the confidence that we have, that we will be like him. We do have eternal life. And we need to live like we have that eternal life. We need to remember that we are, have to be strong in our faith, that we have a boldness about us because of that confidence that God gives us. And in that confidence, we need to remember we can take God's word, approach an individual who is in need, and share this with him. Even take the scripture and point to them that God is our Savior. Childlike faith. As Jimmy sat back there in that hallway reading to his sister, Reading out loud, there was confidence in him on what he was reading. He had no doubt that as he was reading, this is the truth. We need to have that same childlike faith that Jimmy had this morning. That confidence that as he read, he knew that this was the truth. We need to take this as the truth. We need not let the things of this world seduce us, bring us down, distract us from our true purpose as a child of God serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Have that confidence that we are going to see him again. And as we see him again, we're going to be just like him. As we close this morning, I would ask: Have you been thinking about how your purpose, or your steps, the walk that you've been taking of late, is it one where you still focus on Jesus Christ, or are you caught up in the things of this world? You know, are you get caught up in the lust of the flesh, the lust of your eyes, or the pride of of this world? If you realize that you're caught up in it, Change now has got a hold of you, and you need to make sure that you break away from it and turn and focus on Jesus Christ to remember he's coming again. And as he comes again, we will be there with him. We can have a walk where we have confidence and not be ashamed in our service towards God if we just spend time with him and his word. Love him as he loved us. Love one another as he loved us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you've given to us. We thank you for the time in your word and ask God that you would help us with our minds and with our thoughts, that they truly be focused upon you that we live a life, that we walk a life that is glorifying you and pleasing unto you, and that as we spend time in your word, study in your word, keep in your commandments, actively serving you, that our joy may be full in you, and that we have that peace and understanding that you can give us through the Holy Spirit. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.